Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Doing what I did in writing this book is, is, is nothing unusual for any of us foreign correspondent tribe who go around the world doing this stuff. What I fear for, though, is the people of the Philippines. They're the ones who really are suffering under this reign of terror, which, as you rightly say, Jason, has left at least 10,000 dead. In fact, some people say double that. And that was Jonathan Miller, Channel 4 News Asia correspondent, talking about his new book, Duterte Harry. You're listening to Stop and Search on the Distraction Pieces Network, brought to you by Acast in association with Leak UK. Here we go. Behind your barricade. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricade. Where true values seldom stray. Thank you so much for joining us on officially the award-winning Stop and Search podcast. Yes, at the British Podcast Awards, we got the Silver Award for Best Current Affairs and Smartest Podcast, a double. Wow, that was a surprise. Thank you so, so much for all your support to making that happen. But we do have to get to a serious point now. We need to talk about the Philippines, what's going on there. There's a murderous regime that's probably killing in excess of 10,000 people. Yeah. Puts things in perspective a bit, doesn't it? And Jonathan Miller, uh, Channel 4 News Asia correspondent, he's written a book called Duterte Harry, which I so recommend you read because it is a brave piece of journalism, to say the least. Jonathan is based out in, in Asia, so he knows what's going on. He isn't, he isn't just a journalist that goes there, visits, and comes back. He's, he's based, he's at the forefront of this issue. This is a conversation that took part at Waterstones Tottenham Court Road in front of a live audience. So let's get straight on with this. This is... Jonathan Miller and Duterte Harry. If I can get a little bit of audience participation as well, can I have a round of applause, please, once more for Jonathan Miller? I said to you earlier, Jonathan, I, I genuinely think you're the bravest author we've had because the book you've written on Rodrigo Duterte is quite mind-blowing because if people don't know what's going on in the Philippines at the moment is there's extrajudicial killings which are in excess now of 10,000 people and it's not just his own citizens that he's targeting he's also targeting journalists in in many different ways and you've actually had run-ins with Duterte yourself haven't you at press conferences can you give us a little bit of information about that? Rodrigo Duterte is um, he, he, he talks this salty 
badass language and makes people laugh. And he, and he tells terrible jokes about things which you just don't joke about, like rape. Um, he incentivizes killing. He incites it. And people are rightly scared. And if, when you get to the end of my book, you happen across the acknowledgments, you'll find that I talk about how I can't even thank so many people in the Philippines who've helped me write it. And the reason for that is if I had said thank you for the information, the time that was spent patiently teaching me about Philippine culture and language and history, these people would have a shortened life expectancy, frankly. So I've had to basically generalize and say, look, thank you to everyone who's helped. For me, I waltz in as a foreign correspondent. Now, there, there, there's something which I really dislike a lot about the notion of a white Western foreign correspondent going into a country and pontificating sagely about all the things that are going on. Oh, this is happening and that's happening. I talked to this person and this is actually what I think is happening. You know, that is not the way this book was written. This book is a consultation with Filipinos from the very bottom end to the very top. The people I spoke to include the poorest of the poor, drug addicts, their families, the survivors of killings. They include people who have been at the very sharp end of this drugs war. They include family of President Duterte himself. And of course, as you mentioned, I bumped into him uh, on a couple of occasions, and 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 he was you know, threatening. He just he just gave me his usual, "you son of a whore" repost, uh, which was entertaining, um, but it wasn't done for grandstanding purposes. You know, I mean, he 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 likes he likes to threaten, and he likes to use journalists' questions, in fact, to threaten other people. So so if I ask him a question about his drugs war, he'll use my question to say, and if any of you sons of bitches out there think you can get away with this narco politics, I'll kill you all. That's, that's, how, that's, just, that's run of the mill Duterte. Um, I, you know, when you, when you say, uh, am I a brave journalist? No, I, look, I've, I, in my career, and it just comes with the territory that if you're going to go and do human rights journalism, you come up against the likes, as I have, of Bashar al-Assad, um, Bashir in Sudan, uh, Robert Mugabe, uh, Rajapaksha in Sri Lanka, you know, Robert, uh, you know, there, there, there are loads of these people around the world who are, who are autocrats and nasties and make threats and torture people and lock them up and kill them. And, and as journalists, we, 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 we challenge them. It's our jobs. And I, I don't think it's, a, you know, doing what I did in writing this book is, is, is nothing unusual for any of us foreign correspondent tribe who go around the world doing this stuff. What I fear for, though, is the people of the Philippines. They're the ones who really are suffering under this reign of terror, which, as you rightly say, Jason, has left at least 10,000 dead. In fact, some people say double that. And I think as well is that you make that case that you very much relied on the people on the ground, and you've used the case study of in your book, a, a guy called Raphael, who at the time you had to use a pseudonym because you didn't know for sure by being out there publicly talking about the issues is that he was putting his own safety at risk. And I asked you, is Raphael right? Because when 
what was the conditions that he said to you about putting his name in that book? <laughs> when I met Raphael, he was absolutely terrified. And the reason he was terrified was because he'd just crossed a road. And as he crossed the road, a motorcycle drew up next to him to stop at the red light. And on the motorcycle were two riders with crash helmets on. That's how the killers come in the Philippines. They're called, it's called riding in tandem. And he thought that he was about to get knocked off, neutralized, as they say. And he was just waiting for the bullet in the back of the head. And it didn't happen. And he crossed the road and met me. And he was shaking. And the first thing he said to me, we said, I said, come on, come on, let's go and, let's go and sit down. And I used his real name. He said, please don't, don't you, you just don't, don't call me that. Get used to calling me something else. And we, we, we arrived at the name Raphael. And we sat down and we had a couple of red horse lagers and, we, and he relaxed a bit. And uh, we, we, we got talking about what his life was like, living like this. He was on two death lists. One, one was just a sort of standard watch list of somebody who was known to be supposedly a, a, a drug addict. And the other one was a high value target list, which put him at the top of the police most wanted list, meaning that he could be knocked off at any time. And it, 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 was, it was quite chilling meeting this guy. It was, it was, I, could, I could sense his terror throughout. He never relaxed. And it was very, very hard for him to, to find the time to meet me because he had to get away from, from the city in which he lived, which I couldn't identify either. But I can, I can tell you now he's still alive. He, he actually sought me out. It's in the book. He sought me out eventually after several months and said, can you, um, can you help me find a safe house? But when I, when I made my inquiries through this sort of like underground network which had set up, uh, it turned out that all the safe houses that were available were full. And he and his son are still living somewhere in the Philippines, which I cannot even identify now, and he's still alive. Can I have a, a show of hands from the audience of how many people are aware of, of the situation in the Philippines at the moment? So quite, quite a lot of people, because one of, one of the questions I was going to ask um, is just how, how you found, you made the point quite clearly that you're, you're very keen to make sure that people know that you actually live in Southeast Asia, because so many times like, I'm a Westerner that's got a very specific opinion on what's going on in the Philippines from the safety of London. But you live there, you know what's going on in the situation, so therefore you've, you've very much formed a, a very grounded opinion, quite literally. So is it a case that the opinion on the ground in the Philippines, what is the, the mix like of pro versus anti-Duterte? It, it's quite hard to gauge because it's a country of 100 million people. The median age is about sort of like 25, I guess, which means that, by the way, that most people of that age, or you know, everyone of that age, is too young to remember what it was like living under a dictatorship. Um, 16.6 million people voted Duterte into office, which is quite a lot. It's the, highest, it's, the, it's the highest number of people, biggest proportion of people to vote for a president, apart from one election, which was in 1972 when Marcos rigged an election. He was, he was the former dictator, as you all probably know. And um, it, it was a landslide. And people believed the lies that Duterte foisted on them the lies that he had transformed this city that he ran as mayor for 22 years and turned it into this sort of oasis of peace and tranquility, which is nonsense. He ran death squads and killed people, including street kids. 
Um, he, um, he, he foist lies on them about how bad the drugs pandemic, he called it, was in the Philippines. You know, when, 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 we'll get onto this, I'm sure, later, but he made all the numbers up. That the dangerous drugs board of the Philippines said that 1.8 million people were sometimes occasional users of drugs. Most of them smoke marijuana. Uh, less than half, fewer than half, actually uh, use crystal meth. But by the time Duterte had finished his election campaign, the number was up to 3 million addicts of crystal meth. And within a few months of that, it was 3 million, 4 million, 4 to 5 million, I think was the highest he got to. And, and still people voted for him. Or, well, you know, they, 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 they wanted him. His popularity levels went through the roof. I mean, he, he was experiencing opinion poll ratings you, that you'd expect in a totalitarian regime. It was astonishing. And I spent quite a lot of time trying to figure this out. How? Why? Why do these people believe this crap? Because, because the numbers aren't right. But they, 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 they love him because, I mean, some people say it's the politics of, of, of anxiety and fear. He plays to fears like Trump. He's a populist authoritarian. He, 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 you know, in the way that Trump says Mexicans rape people, Duterte says drug addicts are the source of a crime wave. And it played to middle class fears. It, it, it played to the fears of the people who lived in the terrible shanty towns and slums. And so maybe that was why it was. Maybe, maybe it was because people felt marginalized. And here was a guy who spoke that language of the poor, and they felt that they could identify with it. And um, that Duterte offered them a, a break from the imperial oligarchies of the past, as he called them. Maybe it was that. Who knows? Now, what I found interesting about the book is I didn't know that much about Duterte's past, uh, and the fact that he's he was mayor for quite a while in in his one of his hometowns, um, and it's it, there was a parallel, wasn't there, of how he's running the country to how he run his city, and do you think that the origins of what we'll talk about later, definitely the death squads, they can certainly be found in his in his mayoral uh, position, didn't they? Absolutely, Jason. I mean, look, my, my lovely publishing company, Scribe, um, wrote, wrote on, the, um, on, on, on the blurb here something which is true, but which I would also contest. It says, the, um, Rodrigo Duterte, hang on, let's find the right bit. Okay, the first biography of Rodrigo Duterte, the murderous, unpredictable president of the Philippines. Now, to, to most people, this guy is indeed unpredictable. He... He, he's a maverick. He's, he's lots of things, actually. He's, 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 he's a vicious misogynist. He, 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 he's a narcissist. He, 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 he incited mass murder. And to many people, his behavior appears unpredictable. But I would argue, and the argument in the book, is that if you look at his past record of what he did in that town, on that city now, of more than a million people down south, Davao City and Mindanao, you can pretty much predict exactly what he's going to do next. And you can trace what he's done as president because he has created what is essentially a national franchise of what he created as mayor of Davao. And he ran that place corruptly for 22 years. He ran death squads which killed more than 1,400 people, most of them street kids. And he ran that place in a, in a sort of like, in a whimsical way where he, he, he conned people into thinking that that they lived in paradise. And if you speak to Davaonios now, the people who live in this city, they'll tell you, we don't get our handbags snatched anymore. We're no, longer, we don't, we're no longer a city of war. We can walk down the street and not be scared. 
But they've got this dark secret because they all know, everybody knows that there was a death squad operating in that place. And even as recently as last year, a death squad of people who I know personally were attached to the police force of Davao City were killing people in the city and creating this climate of fear. And that is exactly what you say. He's, 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 he's created this national franchise. It's gone out right across the Philippines now, all the big cities, all the major towns. The same thing runs. He's brought the leaders of that death squad into the presidential security guard in Manila. His people who, who ran the death squads for all these years in that city now run things nationally, and he's in charge. It's, it's you know what? The South Africans have, have coined a term called state capture. And it really struck me, this term. It, it, it referred to Zuma and what he'd done with his cronies. It's exactly what Duterte's done. Duterte ran a mafia. And he's brought his mafia cronies into Manila. And he now runs a country. He's, 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 he's taken over the key democratic institutions. The Congress, he owns it. The military, the police, the church, he lambasts. They've lost their authority. The media, he's corrupted it. And he's, he's destroying Asia's oldest democracy. And yet, he remains really popular. It's really hard to figure it out. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So, so what is it like being in the press pack and doing, because you say a lot of times the press conferences are happening at four in the morning or two in the morning after you've waited for two hours because he's, he's such a night owl. What is it like to be in that environment that's both hostile, unpredictable, but also like nothing else that operates within media circles? What, what is it actually like? I, I tell you, if, if, um, if journalists in this country went to a press conference at number 10 Downing Street and... Theresa May sort of swaggered in at 1 a.m., having got you there at 10 p.m. for a news conference, and then she started driveling on for two hours, talking nonsense and just basically making threats against people before taking questions and driveling on for another two hours. People would have walked long, long ago. But there's a, there's a, I think there's a sort of culture of def, um, deference in the Philippines. I think there's a sort of filial piety which you see across Southeast Asia, all of Asia, 
where there's respect for elders. And this guy's 72 years old, you know. And um, he's been around the block a bit. He's been the mayor of this city for 22 years. And, and, you know, he commands respect. He commands respect in part because they know he's a gangster warlord. And he's got to be taken seriously because he's killed a lot of people. But he also commands respect just because he's the president. And so you sit through it. And you suck it up. But he's, he's, he's left the, you know, these, these clever Filipino journalists. I mean, they're not stupid, these, these guys. I mean, they, they're really good. They're really good. There's a very healthy culture of um, a free press in, in the Philippines. And um, they're left in this difficult position of trying to figure out what to do because he sows seeds of confusion. Like, one of the things he does, I mean, I went to a press conference once when he started sort of ranting about, threatening to, to declare martial law. And so the journalists reported it. They said, Duterte threatens to declare martial law. The next day, the palace completely denied that he'd said it and started lambasting journalists who reported it. I mean, what are they to do? And, and that's the, you make that point brilliantly clear in the book, is that he's a, he's, a, a, he's a strange character in the sense that he brags about his positions a lot. He uses a lot of his ego within his speeches and yet completely U-turns and denies a lot of what he says later on. How does that sit with the general public in the Philippines? Are they understanding there's a dichotomy to his character or is it just very much a case that people are, are believing what they're hearing? It's, su it's such a good question because it goes really, really deep and, I, and I'm sure there are Filipinos in the audience who know far more about this than I do, but I did learn a lot about exactly this. Duterte claimed that of every five things he said only two, sometimes three, were actually correct. Pretty much like me. <laughs> but it wasn't even clear whether, when he said that, which, which, which one it was. Was, it, was, it, was, he, was he joking? Nobody knows when this guy's joking. So he makes claims to have killed people all the time. I mean, he says he, the first people he killed was a guy on a beach when he was 16. On another occasion, he said he was 17. Uh, he, claims, he claims narco style to have chucked a corrupt businessman out of a chopper. Um, he claims to have shot dead personally three sort of gangster drug dealer types. Um, but he never quite provides enough detail to make him sort of indictable or prosecutable. So you're never too sure whether he's joking. And it's really confused a lot of people. Not, however, the people from his home island of Mindanao. Because down there, where many people speak the Bisaya language, there's this, there's this... Um, style called Yaga Yaga. And Yaga Yaga means that you can say what you like, you can insult people, you can, you can be really, really rude if you want to, but so long as you're joking and you say it in a nice smiley way, <laughs> it's fine, you can get away with it. And that's what he does. But he, but he applies this Yaga Yaga principle of Bisaya culture to statesmanship. So he does it in foreign affairs. And he makes, he makes threats against America or Australia or, 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 you know, and, and, and says things about reclaiming islands in the Spratleys, which confuses China because they can't quite figure this guy out either. And you know, it's, it's, he, he's very un-Asian. In Asia, there's this culture of sort of respect, as I say, but also people, I mean, leaders go out of their way to show deference to each other. And here's a guy who comes in sort of shouting and screaming, making threats and using really bad language. And I think they all, they all just watch in embarrassed fascination. There's a, there's a Thai phrase, which I, which, which I can't actually say in Thai, but the translation is like a dog watching a plane crash. And that's the sort of like, they, they, just, they just think, 
what is going on here? Who is this guy? What's he doing? But he gets away with it. Is it, is it the same phenomenon of Trump where we're seeing that just being outlandish is enough to get public opinion on your side? Also, just the, the, the polarisation that goes with that inherently. It, it, are we now finding that across the globe that potentially that we're getting more characters like Duterte coming forward just because of just how polarising they can be, but also how theatrical as well? Would you say that that's the case? Well, the, the theatrics are, are, are really important. But although, I mean, funnily enough, Duterte doesn't, he's not, he's not sort of like overtly theatrical. He's got this, the, the Filipinos call it gangster charm. He's sort of like, you know, when, you, when he wanders into a press conference, he sort of slouches in and, he, and he's got this sort of Putin-esque demeanor. Um, and he's sort of understated in the way that he says stuff, including making his threats to kill people, sons of bitches. You know that that you know he'll just he'll just sit at a table and make sort of violent threats and and the audience is just numb because they've heard it so often, but it, he he is he is part of a trend and if you look across the world and this is this is why I felt you know writing writing this book and with my editor who who was it, it was it was weird he was it, it it coincided with with the rise of Trump me writing the book Duterte, however, came ahead of Trump. He, he was, as a Filipino congressman called Walden um, Bello described him as a, as a, um, a fascist original. And, and he, he sort of was at the vanguard of this, of this sort of like new wave, if you like, that you can see from Trump to Viktor Orban in Hungary, the Italians who just voted in a populist government, we've got Modi in India, we've got Xi Jinping in China. We've got, you know, there's, 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 there are these characters who, 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 who have sort of like taken over our, 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 our politics and they have hijacked democracy and I was very conscious I, I, I should am I allowed to read something from the book it's actually it's not something I even wrote in the book Please it's do. something I quote that I, I was so struck by this and in the beginning of it I, I quote um, uh, Margaret Atwood from her book The Handmaid's Tale from 1985 and when I when I read this it, it just, you know, I, I got goosebumps because I thought this is, this is what is happening in the Philippines. We lived, as usual, by ignoring. Ignoring isn't the same as ignorance. You have to work at it. Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. There were stories in the newspapers, of course, corpses and ditches, and, and I found that electrifying. When I, when, I, when I read that, I thought, you know what, that's, that's exactly what's going on here. Because Filipinos were conned by this guy to vote for him with his lies. But they were able to... Some people turned a blind eye. But if you were sort of educated and middle class and lived in Manila and had a nice job and drove a nice car, the killings... The killings that were going on were going on in the slums. You didn't see these places. You didn't go into them. And it really didn't affect your life much. And it, it was, you know, I, I met a counter-narcotics agent to talk about the drugs war stuff, and he said, they're killing the wrong guys. And all, all the big knobs who, who run the business, they're, they're untouched. They're still making their money. It's, it's, it's the little guys who are getting killed. It's the guys who use crystal meth to be able to, pedal faster in their, in their little bicycle taxis because they're so poor they need a few extra pesos to get their family through the week or to buy some medicine for the youngest kid. That's, those are the people who are being killed. 
It's not, it's not the real drugs lords. I can't remember what your question was. I'm really sorry. I've diverted. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't remember either. But that's, that's a perfect point, though, because as you said, the, the bath metaphor is absolutely spot on, isn't it? The fact that do people have a sense of the rising temperature? What is the, the general feel in the Philippines right now of Duterte? Is he likely to still stay in power for any amount of time? Is he, is he there to stay? It's hard to say because, you know... He's, he owns Congress, as I say. So he's, he's actually... In a, oh, and the other thing he's just done is managed to get rid of the Supreme Court Chief Justice. So he's stuffing the Supreme Court with his people. And so, technically, one day quite soon, he might well be able to change the Constitution, the Cory Aquino Constitution, which was put in place to make sure that no president stayed in power for more than one term. That's perfectly possible. What's also perfectly possible is that due to a an electoral challenge for the vice presidency, the son of President Ferdinand Marcos, whose nickname is Bongbong, Bongbong Marcos might yet end up as vice president of the Philippines. And one day, if Duterte suddenly dies, Filipinos will wake up with uh, President Marcos again. I mean, it's possible. Duterte likes to make out that he's at death's door, he's got some serious illness and all this sort of thing. He's actually a drug addict himself. He... Ta- he um, He's got a, a neck pain as a result of a motorbike accident from years ago, and he takes um, he uses fentanyl patches. This is a really powerful synthetic opioid. You'll, you'll hear a lot about it in the states, where it's it's like the the, the synthetic drug of choice, um, prescription drug. This is what Duterte's on, and he abuses it. He takes he takes far more than the recommended dose. That's what he claimed once, and then he said he was joking. So we're not quite sure. Um, but anyway, he uses fentanyl, and um, he, he, he sort of like makes, he, he sort of disappears for days on end, and you think, oh, maybe he's dead. And then he'll pop up again. And people who, who, who I mean, he's been criticized for, for making references to, to, to the fact that his, you know, he's, he's terminally ill, he doesn't have long to go if I make it through my term, all this sort of really sort of like mawkish stuff. Um, and, 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 and people who analyze him sort of, think that he's probably just seeing which vultures are starting to circle so he can get rid of them as well. He'll be there for as long as he can possibly be there. He'll change the constitution to make sure he'll get a second term. If it's not him, it'll be his daughter, Sara Duterte, the current mayor of Davao City. He will make sure that he, he's, he's just interested in power. He's, he's addicted to power in the same way as he's addicted to killing. So, if I can have a round of applause, please, for Jonathan Miller. Thank you so much for listening and you may have spotted that that came to a little bit of an abrupt halt but there's a reason for that. It's because we've got a part two. There's a panel discussion. We've Alongside Jonathan Miller, author of Duterte Harry, we've got Livy Haydock who's a friend of ours, filmmaker, you would have seen her on Panorama, BBC, Channel 4. She produced a film called The Deadliest Place to Deal which is an up-close look at the Philippines and the drug war. And alongside... Livy and Jonathan, we've got Avanesh, who's a friend of ours from Release Drugs, brilliant journalist. He gives us a global perspective on the war on drugs and how it relates to us domestically as well. So stick around for that. It's going to be out very, very, very soon. Now, somehow, going from talking about 10,000 people dead in the drugs war, I need to segue into some thank yous. That's no easy task, is it? But thank you so much for downloading this podcast and making us what we are. Yes, as I said at the start of this, we're now officially a double silver award winner at the British Podcast Awards. How did that happen? 
It's incredible. So, yeah, we're now Silver Award winning for Best Current Affairs and Smartest Podcast, which the categories are just astoundingly good. But the nominees that were in those categories were, were phenomenal. So thank you so much for making us what we are. And, of course, I need to thank Scoobius Pitt because without him we would not be here. Without the platform he gave us on the Distraction Pieces Network, we certainly wouldn't be as well regarded as what we humbly are. So thank you so much, Pitt. Thank you to everyone in the Distraction Pieces Network as well. Uh, Susie Gage, Say Why to Drugs, Kristen Stu, Hardcore Listing, and, of course, Tuesday Night Draw, Jim Smallman. And there might be some more coming up soon, but I'll let Pip say more about that. So, a few thank yous. Thank you to My Name is Ad for the Artwork. He's just put some silver laurels on our podcast artwork now, so we've got some bling. Yay! Thank you to Tristan and Nikki, the producers. Without them, we would not be a podcast. They are every bit as award-winning as what my name is. It's my name on a podcast, but my word is those guys that really need recognition. Thank you so much, Tristan and Nikki. Thank you. John at Leap UK Social Media for all he does. And John Harris at Distraction Pieces Network for all he does. Listen to the Dream Factory. Please do. Right. Of course, find us on social media at UK Leap, at UKLeap.org, all of those things. I'm going to sign off now because I need to go and have a rest because winning awards is no easy feat. So thank you so, so much, everybody, for downloading this, for sharing the message of drug law reform. That's what it's about. The awards help us get this message out. It may be an ego trip for us here at Elite UK and Stop and Search, but it's more importantly about making sure that this conversation is recognised. And that is why we're so proud and pleased for winning those awards. Thank you so much. Bye. Behind your barricades Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricades Where true values seldom stray Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.